This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bike Radar podcast. I am Jack Luke, the assistant editor on BikeRadar.com and I am joined by freelancer, good friend and all-round nice boy, Simon Bromley. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Very well, thank you. So today... We're going to go over one of the hottest topics in cycling. Every day I am inundated with various press releases promoting the virtues of the latest and greatest products. But we, of course, know the whole bicycle industry is a scam. And we're going to say the four things cycling industry does not want you to know. We're doing the work of the people here, Simon. Yeah, that's right. And obviously, as a freelancer, you know, I'm not beholden to any commercial interests Mm -hmm. other than my own. I can say whatever I want, as long as it doesn't piss off anyone I want to employ me. (laughs) (laughs) We are, of course, joking. We're going to be going through some tech things that we think really should be considered by the day-to-day consumer and kind of cut through the marketing nonsense that we received in every day. And the first of those is the the uh, age-old saying that weight really, really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter at, at all, really. I mean, even if if you're a hill climber and that's all you do mm-hmm. and the hills are very steep, mm-hmm. then maybe it matters a bit and it probably matters a little bit, mm-hmm. but for everything else, barely matters at all. You know, weight is such a small part of the equation. But I think the industry loves to quote weights mm-hmm. 
because it's easily measurable. Mm-hmm. We all understand it. It's easily sellable. It's easily sellable, you know, and it's easily understood. And also, you you know, you can quote grams in hundreds. Yes. You, know, you can make 200 grams sound like a really significant amount when actually... It's fairly insignificant. What that contributes yeah. to your ride is nothing. Yes. So, you know... I love weight weenie culture. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. I think it's fascinating to see the kind of different bikes that people put together with that in mind. But you know, we shouldn't kid ourselves that that the, those bikes are going to go any faster. No. And um, the joy of building a lightweight bike and buying lightweight parts. You know, if that's where you get your kicks, by all means, go nuts. Absolutely. But you know, I, I don't kid yourself on thinking that apart from in very specific circumstances, that it really makes much difference at all. Yeah, it just it just really does, you know, it just really doesn't. And I think the more we learn about what propels a bike forward, it, you know, weight just becomes a smaller and smaller part of the equation. So I'm sorry to say, guys, but weight doesn't matter. And these the cycling industry will tell you that their frame is lighter than it ever was before and that you should buy it. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't but certainly convince you. It shouldn't convince you on that alone. I actually, some years ago, I wrote a, a column for bike radar about that very subject on kind of claimed frame weights and that mm. sort of subject um it was actually prompted by uh it was a rim that we had in and the internal width was like something like two three millimeters off the claimed which to me was just so baffling because it's such bad optics for the brand it looks terrible you can hardly claim that a ruler is not calibrated <laughs> but you know when it comes to weight they're even worse yeah and often you'll see things like claimed weights but what's not told and this really frustrates me is often it'll be unpainted no hardware and in the smallest size and that really means that nothing to the yeah. average consumer um so don't you know do not be blinded by things like claimed weights because unless it is some kind of really niche specialist who actually sales off of lightweight parts the likelihood is there's a bit of smoke and mirrors there to kind of convince you that it is lighter than it is on another point with this i'm gonna dive in because this really gets my back up but i don't know in the age of you know big data where we can compute almost anything with the, the sheer volume of data we have why you know bike brands cannot take the time to unbox and weigh every bike in their lineup in every size and just tell me what it is yeah, I, it, that's a mystery. It's I, think, it's, I think, like you say, it's, they don't really want to tell you because then someone will actually measure it yeah. and point out that that's wrong. Yeah. So I think it's that they don't want to tell you. Um, you, you know, another frustration for me about weight is that I think it's it's kind of led to this this kind of trend of badly painted bikes as well. You mm. know, we've we've given up nice fun paint jobs for the sake of 250 grams because everyone no one wants to say that their bike weighs over a kilo yeah 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 it's a really good point and and you know we've lost i think we've lost a lot there and and, you know we you know why are all bikes black well because that's the lightest color yeah (laughs) yeah yeah particularly when that's a really good point and you know ask yourself is some hot pink speed weapon that makes your tummy feel fizzy when you look at it going to make you happier or is the fact it's 200 or 250 grams less going to make you happier i think it's probably the latter no no not <laughs> uh, the former yeah the former. You, you know if you, if you want to turn up to the hipster cafe you need a nice bike and the nice bike has to have a nice paint job yeah. so bike brands if you're listening please 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 bring back nice paint jobs 
We don't care about the weight. And on to the second point, this is probably going to rile you even more. <laughs> weight doesn't matter, but aero really does. Yeah, it does. But what the bike industry, I think, doesn't want you to know is actually it's not really the bike that makes the biggest difference. It's it's you and I, it's us. We're the ones who have to sit on the bike and, you know, we're the biggest objects and we make the most difference. So actually, it's, it's actually clothing. Um, if you're looking for the biggest aerodynamic gain, clothing is the one. Yeah, and you've seen that, of course, in the very top end of uh, racing. And we're seeing all sorts of crazy things coming in every year with new time trials where socks are progressively getting higher, <laughs> weird beaded gels yeah. are being applied, skin yeah. suits are getting longer and longer. And, you know, it's it's clear that clothing is that big area you can make aero advantages. And this is something you've done quite a lot of reading on. Yeah, I think, you know, you, if you wanted to, if you went out there and you said, oh, I want to buy, you know, a fast aero bike, you know, they've come down in price recently. Mm. Um, but More you're mainstream as well. Yeah, you're, st you're still going to have to spend thousands of pounds. But you can buy, you know, say, you know, one of the top of the range skin suits from Tour de France. You know, like, say like the Endura skin suit that Movistar were using you can buy that for sort of 350 400 pounds something like that which is a lot of money and but... it's a lot of money but compared to the frame I the new bike it'd probably save you more watts of aero drag because like I said you know especially for those who you know are not built like Joe your body is the <laughs> a biggest skinny rake of a man <laughs> yeah um, your body is the biggest is the biggest thing and the biggest source of resistance yeah to, to more speed and you know, unlike weight, drag really does matter. You know, the the resistance that drag causes isn't linear with mm. with the increase in speed. Uh, so it, it increases at an even greater rate. I think it sort of doubles for every, for every doubling of speed, it quadruples. So the faster you go, and the faster you want to go, the more important yeah. drag becomes, and the more important it becomes that your body is covered in lovely aerodynamic fabrics. Yeah. Now, of course, all this only matters if you are interested in going fast. If yes. you want to have a good time, by all means, wear your uh, £150 Rafa silk shirt wide open as much <laughs> as you want. Yeah. And it's not going to stop you having fun on the it's, bike no, not being aero. but it will make you go slower. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, you, if you want to make your ride easier, it doesn't necessarily have to be faster, but if you want to make your ride easier, mm. then this stuff counts. Yeah, much uh, more than the frame, like you said. Yeah, so I think, you know, the industry wants us to buy the bikes, obviously, because that's what they make and their business, they're in business and, you know, businesses have to make money and that's absolutely fine. Uh, but for those who, you know, if you don't have all that, all that cash lying around and you still want to go fast, spend your money on clothing. Fantastic. There you go. A simple and almost cheap way to go fast. Maybe. <laughs> almost cheap. Almost cheap. Almost cheap. Relatively cheap. Mm -hmm. And if you'd want to make a genuinely affordable upgrade to your speed, road tubeless isn't the way. Yeah, I don't think so, because you'll need new wheels. And the most affordable way to get speed out of your current you know, standard setup is to buy latex tubes. Simon's going to absolutely go mad here. He has a latex <laughs> fetish. It's absolutely true. Uh, so, you know, you've done, you've told me the virtues mm. of latex tubes many times over, but put simply, what are you going to save with a latex tube compared to a typical tubeless setup? So compared to a, t compared to a typical 
tubeless setup. You know, the regions are, could be up, up to sort of four or five watts. Per, per tire. Per tire. Compared to the top of the range tubeless setup, so your Vittoria Corsa Speeds or your Continental GP5000s, the difference is a lot smaller. It's more, you know, one watt, one and a half watts. Mm-hmm. A watt nevertheless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it obviously comes without having to buy new wheels. It comes without having to spray sealant all over your kitchen <laughs> when it inevitably goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, late, You know, we all know how to, well, most of us know how to change an inner tube. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually surprisingly simple. And, you know, the reason they're faster is because a latex tube is much more supple. This is compared to a normal Yeah, tube. compared to a butyl tube. But also, you know, a tubeless tire has to have sidewall reinforcement mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, and that makes it not roll as well. Mm-hmm. So you can have, you know, a bit like how tubulars used to be constructed. You can have a cotton casing mm-hmm. with a latex tube and you get incredible ride, ride feel and incredible speed. Yeah. And and like you say, it's much more affordable than going tubeless. You know, I'll run to tubeless's defense in a second. Yeah. But I think it's very fair to say as well that though things have improved, the kind of state of the market and the state of tech in road tubeless is still pretty undecided. So I think as time goes on, that kind of difference in terms of convenience will close up a little bit. But like, come on, inner tube. It's so simple. It's it, like you say, it's something nearly anyone can do. And a couple of latex tubes will set you back what? Twenty quid. Twenty quid. Yeah, and for the amount and for pounds per watt saved, you know, it's one of the cheap you know, and it, especially tires and what you put in them are some of the cheapest ways to go faster. And and if you want to know going fast, also improve your ride quality yeah. like significantly. Yeah. Um, good tires, bear in mind it's the only two contact points with the road on the bike. You know, you can make a huge difference to the ride quality of a bike with high quality tires. Now, before you go mad saying how you've had disastrous experiences with latex tubes, I would say in my time, I've once kind of caught one when fitting one. I think it was maybe the first time I did. And there's definitely a technique, totally, to to fitting them. But you have great success with them. Yeah, I personally, I've, you know, touch wood, I've found that, I get less punctures with latex tubes mm. and you know I run Vittoria Corsa G plus tires mm-hmm. you know so they're pretty supple pretty soft and uh, you know I mean the trick part of the trick is to not ride in horrible conditions well, with, that... those, with those tires <laughs> you know if you're if you I don't use them over winter I have a lovely set of gator skin tires mm. for the winter you know I, I use my latex tubes and my nice tires on nice days mm. but in terms of insulation, yeah, you want a bit of talcum powder in there because that just helps. It stops it stops the tube sticking to the tire. Mm-hmm. You you do have to be very careful with pinching the tire Only when in the first you install thing, it. Typically, I think it's all yeah. right the second time. But you around. could. But that's the same with a normal inner tube too. Um, I personally don't think the setup difficulties are that bad. Now, as you say, tubeless does have a lot of advantages in terms of puncture resistance, and there's no doubt that. You know, if everything else was equal, mm-hmm. in, you know, price, rolling resistance, you know, yeah, of course, I would want that extra um, puncture resistance that a tubeless setup allows. But as it currently why stands. Why wouldn't you? But as it currently stands, you know, I haven't purchased a set of tubeless wheels, so I haven't gone tubeless. Yeah. And you know, maybe that, I will. That, that's the key takeaway from here. We're not necessarily saying tubeless is bad. It's definitely no. not. It's very no, good, in fact. Absolutely. But if you're currently on your bike you've had for many years, you're thinking about upgrading but you're not totally sure yet, I think you can make a significant advantage with latex. So don't believe the hype. Don't drink the uh, 
the sealant Kool-Aid just yet. <laughs> and then on a similar note, our last point, and this is one, a, a, a horse, a dead horse, which is truly been beaten. <laughs> but on a similar note, rim brakes and alloy wheels are still totally fine. They are. They're absolutely totally fine. You know, they they have, you know, like like any piece of equipment, if they're set up well mm-hmm. and you're using the kind of conditions that they were, uh, under conditions they were designed for, they work great. Well, both of us, yeah. you know, we both still ride rim brakes and alloy rims on the majority of our rides. That's and they, right. You know, we've bloody survived for a billion years with them. We yeah. don't need to have these disc brakes. They are fantastic, though. Disc brakes offer significant advantages in almost all circumstances. Yes. But, you know, it doesn't mean that they've, because they've arrived, doesn't mean that what you have is, is all of a sudden obsolete. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I, if I was buying a disc, if I was buying a new bike today, would it be a disc brake bike? Probably. Yeah. You know, because that's the way the industry's going, and I probably wouldn't want to invest in a in a bike and a system, a set of wheels that was potentially, you know, going to mm. be a bit obsolete in a couple of years. But I'm not buying a new bike today. Yeah. You know, I'm perfectly happy with my 2009 Giant TCR. Mm-hmm. And I'm perfectly happy with the previous generation Ultegra rim brakes that oh are on God. it. How do you even ride it, Simon? Well, you know, I find if I keep the wheels clean and I keep the pads clean, it stops really well. Yeah. I, so, yeah, just don't don't believe the hype. And, yeah, you know, like I'm not going to for a minute say that rim brakes are have any real advantages over disc brakes. Disc brakes present a lot of advantages. But if what you have and all you have is rim brakes for now, that's totally fine. Wait until prices come down because they will inevitably. Yeah, they will. And I don't feel like you absolutely have to jump on that bandwagon just yet because they stopped us forever and we're still going to be stopping with rim brakes for some time to come. That's right. And rim brakes are still winning the biggest races in the world. Well, yeah. So they can't be that bad. Of course not. I think the reason you know, we, went, we saw the industry move away from disc brakes, it's not just because the bike industry wants to sell us all new bikes. I think it was really the rise of carbon wheels yeah. and the fact that carbon is a, is a pretty bad surface mm-hmm. uh, for braking on, you, you know, especially when it heats up. You know, the early years of carbon clinches saw a lot of stories. Yeah, bad of people, stories. Bad, 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 bad stories of people blowing up carbon wheels and that leading to catastrophic wheel failures. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much why I haven't purchased a set of carbon clinches ever. And you say all this as I literally just called in a set of carbon <laughs> clinches for review. So, yeah, thanks. But you're so. a hard as nails tester. That's true. So... Yeah. You know, nothing phases you. And I know you'll be out on the roads in your levers <laughs> and your motorbike helmet. Pushing them to the limit. And the alpine roads yep. of the Mendips, pushing these, <laughs> pushing those rims to their absolute limits so that the consumer doesn't have to. Mm, yeah. And that's, you know, that's the job that you've chosen. Yeah. But the disc brake, it is really interesting, the whole carbon disc brake thing, because, like you say, would that development of disc brakes come around so quickly if we hadn't realized that carbon can make really nice whooshy sounding wheels? Yeah, I don't think so. And it's a it's a kind of maybe maybe it would have done. It's because obviously disc brakes have, you know, applications in every other kind of braking <laughs> yeah. system. So maybe it would have done. Maybe that's a silly thing to say, but but yeah, I think carbon and and specifically, you know, I guess the kind of people wanting aero wheels and wanting them to be lightweight, even though weight doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That that was a big thing that pushed the industry towards it. But it's still kind of curious to think that it that it was the main driver because you know you can 
by deep section alloy alloy wheels you know head head jets famously mm. very very fast tony martin used to smoke everyone in the world tt championships <laughs> on head jet wheels very you know, very recently light as well yeah and and you know you're only adding you know for a 60 mil wheel set you're only really over over a carbon clincher not over a tubular obviously mm. but over a carbon clincher you're only adding 100 grams of weight which isn't a lot per wheel set so maybe 50 gram per wheel mm -hmm. and also the clinchers are faster than tubs anyway so. yeah and the clinchers are faster than tubs and you know the the braking you know head actually recently released um a set of wheels with a kind of machined brake track a bit like a mavic exolith and oh, apparently right. it's really really good but i don't think anyone cares which is a bit sad yeah 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 <laughs> it's a shame to think but you know for the those of you that are still on rim brakes, go out and try them. Tell yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. Like. We'd love to know. You know, if anyone's tried them, I'd love to know what they, what they, what they, what they like, how they perform, how they sound. Yeah. You know, because well, the problem with Mavic Exilis rims was always, I remember they sounded horrible. I don't know if they ever fixed that problem. They, but they was... were pretty hard to set up. They'd either squeal, yeah. and if they were set up well, they'd eat an entire set of pads in about two rides. Yeah, so. but those did slow down really well. <laughs> yeah, they certainly did. <laughs> so, but anyway, all this to say, bike radar is a broad church. The space Absolutely. for all these things. We yes. love disc brakes, but if you have rim brakes, that's totally fine. There's a lot of things you can do to improve your braking, keep them clean, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But if you're waiting for prices to come down, you don't want to jump on the disc brake wagon just yet. They probably will. So this is one of our very last episodes for the year. It's been a really fun year. We've just started out with our podcast and we hope you've enjoyed listening to it. We've got lots more planned for this in the next year. At the end of the day, as I always say, it doesn't matter what, Simon and I say it's actually what you, the audience, think. Have we chosen the right things? Are these the things that the industry cannot help but sell us? Or is there something else that really grinds you gears? As always, let us know in the comments wherever you listen or watch our podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe on wherever you watch or listen to our podcast. And if you're on YouTube, click the little bell icon so that every time we upload a video like this, you will get a notification. Thank you for joining me, Simon. Thank you very much. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com.